0: The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Caster. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH.
2: Welcome in, everybody, to Sports Daily here on a Thursday. We got a big show coming up for you, a no-hitter, kind of, in the World Series Uh, last night. We'll get to that. We got a big NFL game to preview tonight. Might be a bloodbath. Maybe not. We'll talk about that. We'll... Hit hard on K-State Athletics. We've got a big football game coming up this weekend and an exhibition game in the books. Our buddy Tim Fitzgerald to go PowerCat. Our K-State Insider will join us coming up in the second hour. A lot of news and notes came down yesterday that we've had a little time to digest today. We'll start there. Jad Chambers producing for us. We welcome Tommy Caster. Tommy, how are you this morning?
1: I'm good. I was gone yesterday, not on the show, and I feel like... A lot has happened in the last 24 hours that I haven't had a chance to talk about.
2: Well, it was interesting because we let Brian Haney off the hook. The Bill Self News and the the Self-Imposed Sanction News came down literally as we were on the air with Haney wrapping up. Didn't see it until the break afterward. Uh, Start getting a bunch of text messages. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? That can't be real on the timing. Uh, I was joking with about that last night. Not that he would have been able to provide a ton with his role with the university other than what the school sent out. Uh, so there's sort of a new development there this morning too. But real quick, if you missed the news yesterday, but, because I had some people messaging and asking how serious this is, it's serious. It's serious enough that KU needed to do some of the things it did, or at least it felt like it did. Because remember, for a long time in all of this, and this is going back to the 2017 adidas investigation and silvio de sosa and all of these things and kus fought it in a variety of different ways initially on the fbi stuff saying that they were a victim of fraud and by the way investigators did agree with that don't don't forget that part that's a separate part though then it became the infractions part with the ncaa we saw oklahoma state take an approach which was like, okay, yeah, we did it, whatever. What? And then they got hammered and got a postseason ban. So it's like, okay, well, nobody ever do that again because it didn't do any good. So then KU takes a much more combative approach. They've been fighting this. They go through this new committee, a bunch of letters that I can't remember instead of the old committee that was a bunch of letters that I can't remember. And now we get to this point. And KU essentially yesterday said, we're going to punish ourselves here. We think this is good, and it includes a four-game ban for uh, Bill Self. And so he'll be out, including the Duke game, for a few games. He should be there tonight, I believe. He will coach the exhibition, and we'll, we'll get his take on it afterward. He, he's most likely, most assuredly, going to address all this, I would imagine, after that game. Um, so we have that part of it. There are some recruiting restrictions now in place, self-imposed. There is a three-year... Um, three total scholarship loss. So my guess is it'll be one a year um, and, and just a variety of things. But what it does not include is any sort of postseason ban and any sort of vacating of wins. And I think that's what KU would like to avoid in all this anyway. So that's what happened yesterday, Tommy. Um, your, your thoughts on all of that before we get to another interesting development in all this that's come down this morning.
1: Yeah, I really think that this is KU basketball's Um, answer and and trying to be a little bit preemptive. Um, You know, this has gone on for a long time and, you know, they're definitely wanting to get out ahead of this. Um, We're going to talk about it here in a few minutes of uh, what Louisville and and their penalties from that independent committee uh, through the NCAA that came down this morning. And so clearly some things are starting to wrap up. And I think that this is absolutely Kansas athletics wanting to get out in front of something um, and really trying to make sure that they are, um, at least giving the indication uh, that they want to kind of self-govern this and self-penalize themselves. Uh, and so, you know, of course, the, the four-game suspension with Bill Self and Curtis Townsend and then some of the other things, um, you would think that this is partially um, a, a way for Kansas basketball to maybe try to soften the blow a little bit from this committee. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but at least you would think that that would be the attempt.
2: Yeah, I, I they just they're they're trying to control this narrative as they have from the outright. I don't have strategically. I think Kansas has done a really good job with this because, quite frankly, they haven't been punished yet. Um, and and from the beginning, they have, again, just talking strategy here, done some things that have helped them largely avoid the fates of some of the others. So the news now today, in Louisville, among other teams, was one involved in all of this. Um, and Rick Patino, Chris Mack, avoiding major punishments. Uh, so here's what's happened now. CBS Sports on this story. The University of Louisville has been spared, it says, from significant damaging sanctions. A $5,000 fine, a seven-day reduction in recruiting, two years of probation. And again, this is the same 2017 FBI investigation into bribery. This was all pre-NIL, remember, by the way, too. Uh, so things have changed a lot since then. Um not given a postseason ban, and then Patino and Mac and, and Patino was there at the time, and then Mac was there later, they have avoided um punishment altogether. I'm trying to sift through this with the things that we care about, and and some of it is all the lingo and language that really doesn't mean anything to us. Basically, right, the and this is this is breaking within the last uh the half hour or so basically they've avoided the serious stuff the serious stuff in all of this is postseason ban is the most serious and vacating wins right and and longer suspension so when we see what this IARP which is this new committee the NCAA uses or whatever again semantics that we don't we we honestly don't care about uh, at least I think we don't care about. It. I get the impression that most people probably feel the same way I do. That just like get to it, like what I don't care about all the procedures to get there. Louisville didn't get anything that serious, and quite frankly, KU's self-imposed punishments are more strict than what what the IARP dealt to Louisville anyway. So seeing that. I think there's a decent chance, and this is me, not a lawyer, this is me taking a shot at using context clues, if KU's self-imposed restrictions – and what I don't know is if Louisville had any self-imposed stuff. I don't have that information in front of me, so I can't remember – if they did anything on their own, and then this is in addition to that. But even if that's the case, even if – Louisville, let's just say Louisville did exactly what Kansas did, and then this is the punishment they get from the IARP. This isn't going to be that big a deal for Kansas. As long as Kansas doesn't get some sort of, you know, season-long ban for Bill Self or, uh, you know, significant loss of scholarships, postseason bans, KU will have skirted this just fine and 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 used the system to its advantage, quite frankly. Um and and you know there's been a, time, a, a a an amount of time that's passed where i don't think a lot of people care about this anymore anyway i mean we've we've solved this problem with NIL right this wouldn't even be i i mean i don't even think that the adidas guy that's been arre- you know been served jail time for basically bribing players like that would in a lot of senses that would be allowed now not not completely not just at the surface but you could work within the rules probably for whatever these violations are to be totally fine in today's college basketball. So for that, I don't think people care very much. And for KU, I think all that really matters is a postseason ban, quite frankly. And I I don't think they're going to get one.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that we're looking at any sort of really serious sanctions here uh, for Kansas. I mean, considering what they did on their own yesterday uh, and then what Louisville was slapped with today – Um, That tells me that there's it's probably going to be a whole lot of nothing. And we don't know when that's going to be. That's been really the most frustrating part about this entire situation is how long it is all drug on. And keep in mind, remember, the NCAA created this independent committee um, back in twenty nineteen. And so that's what three years ago when, when this was actually created. They're just now ruling on schools like Louisville. Um, and the NCAA created this committee to be more independent. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, uh, to my recollection, went directly through the NCAA. They didn't work through this committee. They were slapped with the postseason ban. Now the NCAA is completely wrapping up this committee. It's going to go away entirely once they rule on these cases. So um, you would think that with Louisville getting their penalties that uh, you know this is going to be wrapped up fairly soon but again who knows it's taken so long that you know i don't want to sit here and predict that yeah louisville got their results and kansas did you know some self-imposed sanctions we should be having an answer soon Uh, i don't necessarily know that's the case
2: yeah it's um it's it's i think it's going to be fine i think it's going to be fine for kansas that that's what my gut tells me and and we sit here and we can go through the procedures again. I I think really all anybody cares about, including Kansas is that they don't get a postseason ban, which is what Oklahoma state got. Remember the Cade Cunningham year, they couldn't play in the NCAA tournament. Like, and they were very, you know, proactive in trying to solve the problem and cooperative and everything else. And I mean, the process showed us that that's not the right way to do it. If you're whomever. So I think KU just moves on. We'll get Bill self's take on all of this. What the only interesting thing to me now is they've basically played victim until this point and then they're like, "All right, fine, we'll punish ourselves." You you're the victim here, right? No, they they're clearly uh done with that take, but that 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 helped them avoid some more serious trouble with the feds. Um so that's it. That's where this thing stands. Now KU gets its exhibition game tonight. Um so you know, here we go. I don't really care about any of this anymore. I really don't. Maybe that's me. 869-1240, tell me if you disagree. K-State fans might act like they care, and we can even ask Tim Fitzgerald. But I don't care. Like, I, you know, we solved this problem with the NIL. The old system invited this sort of sleaziness from these apparel companies anyway. That was a problem with the old system. It's just, it's a non-factor anymore. Like, guys can go, there's a system in place for guys to, in a more organized and honest way, get paid. So we don't have to deal with this anymore. It's an old problem. And, again, I guess I'm just not naive enough to think, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe only these four schools were doing this thing that literally everybody knows everybody else does too. Like, I'm not naive that way. So, for me, it's always been a, meh, don't really care kind of a story because I think these guys should be getting paid anyway. Um So I don't know. I mean, maybe other people care. I don't care. And I haven't cared since 2017, other than what potentially happens to Kansas basketball, which so far has been basically nothing and will be just a little bit here for a few for a little while uh, this year.
1: Yeah, the, the, the main point of me caring about this is the fact that it's gone on for so long. Like I I'm ready for it to be done, and especially in the new world of NIL, ready for it to be put behind us so we can move on and actually, you know, do these things that, you know, NIL have, you know, it, it, it's been promised and it's, you know, looking like it's the new frontier of college athletics. And it has been, it's been very beneficial to student athletes. And so this is a non-issue. We, honestly, it was a non-issue then. And it's even more of a non-issue now because of the way the landscape has changed. But I look at this, Jacob, more from a straight up basketball perspective um, you know, the the suspension that KU put on to Bill Self, um, yeah, it includes some cupcake non-conference games, but it also includes the Champions Classic against Duke and Norm Roberts will be the acting head coach um, for those four games, including the game against Duke. And so, you know, that's a major game to start off the season for the Jayhawks. Um, it's a major game in their title defense. Uh, And you won't have Bill Self on the sidelines. So, you know, outside of all of the uh, NCAA and the committee, uh, the ramifications of that, you know, regardless of the actual um, situations five years ago, the real um, test will be for the, the KU basketball squad, which keep in mind, the players on that team right now have literally nothing to do with what happened five years ago. Uh, they're not going to have their, their head coach on the sideline uh, versus one of the, the biggest games, one of the biggest teams on their schedule this season in Duke. So I'm interested to see how they respond to that. I'm interested to see if there's you know any sort of like, you know – we've had Bill Self at Kansas for 20 years. What's it going to look like with him not being on the sideline for the first four games?
2: Well, I don't know. Um, and it's a year, honestly, too, that I think is – he, he needs to do a lot of coaching. With this team right now, they can do that in practice. Like I don't think, how can, I don't think this suspension is going to ultimately have it much of an impact on what Kansas does in totality this season. Does it mean, you know, Grady Dick and all the new faces integrate one or two games slower than they would have if he was there? Maybe. I mean, it could. It could because he's he's a great in game coach, right? That's that's part of what makes him great. But just because he's suspended doesn't mean he doesn't have an impact on things, right? So, I, I think that, I think that the impact to the team's overall trajectory will be minimal. I think it could impact the timing of when that happens, maybe by a week or two. Um, but I think that the his guys have been around long enough. His assistants, there is enough, you know, coming back on the team. They'll be fine. They'll be fine i i I would like to not see it. I mean, I think they'd be better off if this wasn't happening, but I don't think it's gonna impact what happens in February and March much but it but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it'll impact what happens in November for sure
1: it absolutely will and, and it's a team that, as you mentioned, um you've got a lot of newcomers, well, you know, whether they are. Uh, transfers like Kevin McCuller or newcomers like Granny Dick, you know, freshmen coming in, um, it's going to take some time for them to gel, going to take some time for them to, um, you know, be the best version of themselves and Bill Self. and, And really honestly, any college coach will tell you this that their team in February or March is in some cases significantly different than the team in November and December. So there's quite a bit of time. I I guess it's a positive that this is happening at the very beginning of the season for Kansas, as opposed to, you know, once you get into conference play and, you know, down the stretch and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it might delay that progress. Bill Self has gone on record over the last few weeks talking about how this team, it's going to take some time for them to all play together and work together because there are so many new pieces. So yeah, I'm with you. I I wouldn't be surprised at all, you know, to see them take a little bit more time uh, to be able to actually come together as a unit. Um, It might've been a little bit sooner, you know, had this not happened and had you have, you know, been able to have Bill Self on the sideline.
2: Yeah, it'll, they'll be fine. But I mean, there's no doubt. I would rather have it against Duke I mean, here's the reality. I would rather have it against Duke than have it against Iowa State. Like I'd rather have it against Duke than any game in conference. So you're gonna KU plays a schedule, that you're gonna not avoid all the the great non con games because it's almost impossible to time it that way. Just rip the band off, be done with it what an opportunity for some of these guys who have to step into bigger roles to coach that game against duke i don't know if bill self can then make these trips or not make these trips or what it is but it's a fun opportunity for some other people too and a little bit of adversity early in a season to kind of test and get the vibe of a locker room at the same time they'll be fine they'll be fine it's not that big a deal maybe you think it is i don't think it is 8691240 uh there's some other really cool basketball news coming out of the big 12 potentially um, Gonzaga to the Big Twelve is that is that a thing? Might be. We'll talk about that next. Sports Daily coming back at you right after this.
0: Your phone call is welcome. Eight
2: Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Tommy and I are on a on a video Zoom for the first time today, and I'm really self-conscious about picking my nose. Um, like, what, what am I going to do if I like pick my nose? I'm not used to this. I'm on TV every day, but not when I'm on the radio. So now we'll see. Uh, Tommy, get what you asked for here. There's no telling hey. what's coming down the pipe here.
1: I figured that you would be super used to the cameras by now. Like, it, it's got to be, like, I, nothing to you.
2: I am. Maybe not as much at 9 in the morning. Like, it for me in the mornings, because <laughs> I get home so late from TV, it's roll out of bed, get the kids off to school, and then jump on the radio. Like, that's a morning. So, um, it's a little less glamorous, but here we go. Uh, we'll, we'll keep working on some things there, see if we can't do some cool stuff for you guys. We're, we're basically doing a technical test on that today. Um, all right, so... We mentioned some other potentially big college basketball news. And, you know, I think, well, on the surface, here was the report, if you didn't see it from Pete Thamel yesterday, that the Big 12 is in talks with Gonzaga about joining the league. Um, Gonzaga would bring a lot of great things, not football. Um, Clearly, the headline program at Gonzaga is its basketball program, as good as any in the country over the last 10, 15 years. And... We are college basketball people in this part of the world, and of course, this idea is awesome, right? Like this would be the greatest thing ever. It would it would already make what I think is the best league in the country even better and make it not particularly close. I think all of that's great and fine, and I think Brett Yormark is thinking that way on a lot of different things. Obviously, the money split would be something considered because Gonzaga doesn't play football. I'm surprised and would be – here's what let – me, let me start over. I'm really glad to see this because it never makes sense to me that this doesn't happen for these leagues. If you're the Big 12 and you have this new deal, you basically just negotiate through and say, well, what's your basketball program worth? It's obviously not going to be worth as much as everybody else, but how much of a basketball cut can you take? It's what, you know, Wichita State's doing right now in the American. Like, this happens all the time. So here's Gonzaga sitting out here. Heck yeah, go get him. And remember, the Big 12 has BYU. So they're already dabbling into that time zone anyway. You've got a great rivalry there, potentially between Gonzaga and BYU already anyway. So when I see this, Tommy... I think this may further the window and crack the door open to getting West coast teams. Think about if you're Arizona in this world now, UCLA has already spoken for, I'm trying to think of what are there's some of the real premier basketball centric schools that might all of a sudden have their interest peaked at something like this. Arizona comes to mind. Um, San Diego State comes to mind in a ways. Now they both of those schools would bring football. But I just wonder if doing this and potentially getting something done with Gonzaga, and they're just talking, they're flirting at this point. You know, they haven't they haven't said I love you or anything yet. They're just they're just talking right now. You know, they haven't really been on a date. They've been on like one date. So it's very preliminary. But if anything like this happened, I I think it's your mark playing chess again, and I think it might be trying to crack that door open to get other west coast schools and expand that footprint
1: i absolutely agree with you i think that part of the the appeal of this from gonzaga's point of view is how weak their conference has been for so long i mean they've dominated that conference what, Was a pretty good last, last decade year, but yes but I by, mean, by other comparison than, state
2: yeah right yeah i mean what san francisco if, you know, saint Mary- and saint mary's yeah, were saint good, mary's
1: yeah. Yeah. Right. But but really, historically and overall, it's not been uh, a powerhouse conference. That West Coast conference just really isn't there. And Gonzaga basically runs over everybody. And and it's just kind of a foregone conclusion that they're going to end up in the NCAA tournament. Um, This really heightens Gonzaga's national profile. Not that it necessarily needed a ton of heightening because they're already a national brand with what Mark few has done. But I think it gives them more national legitimacy. If they join a conference like the big 12, a lot of the conversations about, uh, you know, Gonzaga they um they're a mid major and they don't play anybody all year. And here we go into the month of March and they're going to fall flat on their face again. I think it gives them uh, significantly higher competition throughout the conference season than what they've had, you know, before. And so I think that that's the appeal for them uh, to join a conference like the big 12. I'm a little bit surprised though. And I've seen that Gonzaga has had conversations with other conferences over the last year or so. Um, one conference that one conference that sticks out to me is the Big East because they're such a a, a basketball centric conference that it would almost seem like, considering Gonzaga doesn't play football, that that would be a little bit of a better fit for them. Uh, but I'm not opposed to this at all. I think this absolutely heightens Wouldn't the profile. It hurt anything. Yeah. Right? It's the, it heightens the profile for basketball uh, without a doubt. I just wonder, and it, it might end up being both for the Big Twelve. But I just part of me wonders: Would you rather have gonzaga for basketball or would you rather have three or four pac 12 teams that bring football to the table well, um I, it might end up being have, both
2: you'd rather have the football schools i think as long as it doesn't water down your your tv deal but i think i i think they i think they're a collective effort i i don't think that gonzaga impacts any of that i think gonzaga is a different piece to the puzzle. I also think your mark is going big picture. I don't think he was kidding around when he said national footprint. And the other part of this, and again, as as we can make bold predictions here, let's say they get Gonzaga. One, I think that would be a further piece to try and get some of these Pac-12 schools. What else I think it might do? I think your mark might be trying to create and enhance a product for networks based on a college basketball league like it's never been done before? And I wonder at that point, if you add, let's say you add Gonzaga. All right, Gonzaga's in, right? I'm going to the networks. Look at what we're going to do for you in basketball too. So here's how we're going to do this, ESPN and Fox and whoever. We're going to give you such a great basketball league that you're making money now. Right, Because now we've got Gonzaga on board. We're going to go poach the Big East. Hey, Villanova. Why not? I mean, we're expanding our footprint nationally. We're going to have such a premier basketball league that now you've got a separate, outside of football and everything else, you've got this separate massive entity that we can all make money for. That's the kind of progressive thinking we need. Because at that point, if you're an elite Big East team, and the Big 12 is in totality getting this together and, and getting you the opportunity to make money like you've never made as a non-football school, nobody's going to say no to that, right? Like conference allegiances, who cares? They've Those have gone out the window a long time ago. So, yeah, I think the if, if the Big 12 can talk Gonzaga into this, one, I do think it opens up poaching the Pac-12 for football and those things. Who knows if that happens? They'll try it. But I think it might go the other way too, and they may look at a basketball league that looks very different than the football league, and there are a lot of great basketball-only schools out there that maybe can make the Big 12 a little bit more money, and in turn the Big 12 can make them a little bit more money, in turn can get some sort of thing going on TV that would be unlike anything we've ever seen. Could you imagine if the Big 12 went in and poached the Big East, and you add... Villanova and Creighton and all of these things. And in a pipe dream, we could we could wish upon a star that Wichita State returns to prominence. Like, why wouldn't you add a lot of these schools? Like, who brings a great basketball program to the table? Let's go. Let's put them all together, and we're going to have this league that nobody else can touch. ESPN, you, you need content in the wintertime, right? You're, you're starved for content without football at that point. Here you go, silver platter, let's go. And I also wonder if they could separate deals to do with some of the other networks too, some of these streaming entities. Hey, we're going to give ESPN priority, but then we've also got all these other great games because we've got this 20-team basketball league, maybe Amazon or Apple or CBS on Saturday afternoons. Like, I don't know. I think there could be a bigger picture play to this Gonzaga News even if it was just adding Gonzaga singularly, it would be really cool and fun. But I think there's a whole lot more to the idea than just adding Gonzaga.
1: You were talking about potential other Pac-12 schools that could find this really appealing uh, from a basketball perspective to join the Big 12. And, you know, Arizona is one of them that has a longtime strong basketball culture that, um, you know, could be, be swayed into joining the Big 12 maybe just solely because of basketball and and right. Gonzaga coming in. I don't think they're the only ones in the Pac-12. There's another name that comes to mind. How about Oregon? Think about what Oregon has done under Dana Altman with basketball um over the last several years. And then think about their culture with football that they've had for forever. Well, sure. Um yeah, and that's an Oregon. added benefit to the Big 12. Well, yeah. and, you know, you we've want been Oregon. Right. We've been talking forever about these four corner schools, Colorado, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. Um, that's great. That's awesome. Um, but man, I, when, if I was the AD at or the president of Oregon and you're telling me that I get a chance to be in the same conference with Gonzaga to play basketball and then, oh, by the way, bring your football program over too, um, that would be something I would be interested in listening to.
2: Arizona is one of the few schools in the country that values basketball as much as football, right? And they're back too, by the way. But like Arizona, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, there aren't very many. North Carolina, maybe. I'm not even sure North Carolina does. Um, But like, there aren't very many of them. And that, that matters. It wouldn't matter to a team like Arizona. But yeah, Utah, come on. You got a conference with Utah. And BYU and Gonzaga, God, like there, there are so many possibilities. And and a lot of this with basketball, it's harder for me and I think harder for most people to understand the financial value of basketball. Football is pretty cut and dry, right? We know football brings a lot of money. We know football is the driver on absolutely all of this. That part of it from a bird's eye view is pretty simple. We don't—I don't know, and I've never been able to get a good feel for the value of basketball in the totality of these conference TV deals. So I don't know what football can potentially add—I mean, sorry, basketball can potentially add if it's a non-football school when you're talking big, big potatoes like the Big 12. We've seen it on a smaller scale, but not really on a scale to that magnitude, but why not? Right? Why not if you're Gonzaga? Why not if you're the Big 12? Why not if you're ESPN or Fox? Like, it's got to have some value, right? There has to be some value in it to do something like that. Because if you're ESPN and you add Gonzaga to the Big 12 lineup, every single game that they play, just like Kansas now, right? Every single game that they play becomes one of the marquee games of every single night that it's played. You won't find bigger games. of the time than Gonzaga and whoever they, whoever else they played in the big 12. You just won't find it because everybody in the big 12 is really good. So it makes a lot of sense to me from that perspective. I'll leave it to, you know, to the people that get paid to negotiate how much that's worth. Brett Yormark seems to have a pretty good grasp of that thing. So let's go do it again. Be aggressive. If everybody else is standing, Pat lap them, lap the field, go get aggressive, And that's what the Big 12 seems to be doing, which I think after the last few years is why this all feels so good. It's no longer reactionary. Everything's proactive.
1: Yeah, this is a volume proposition, right? It's something where um, Brett Yormark recognizes that probably that value to television networks when it comes to basketball would be the sheer number of programs that are quality that you can bring in. It's not as cut and dry as football is. Um, So basketball, you need – more programs to come in uh, to be able to to drive that value up. And I think that's really what, what the Big 12 is trying to do right now. Um, and, you know, don't forget, they did the same thing in football. When Oklahoma and Texas bailed, they went the volume route and they replaced two schools yeah. with four schools. Um, And and so that looks like they're trying to do the same thing on the basketball front, um, because that's really that's where I feel like the value from the TV network stands is the number of schools, the number of time slots. We've talked about the different broadcast windows. Um, So if you have a West Coast presence in basketball, even too, you know, in the months of January and February with Gonzaga, Utah, BYU, you know, all these different potential programs, man, that's that can end up being pretty lucrative for these networks that you know, there really isn't another conference. Like, you don't see the SEC prioritizing basketball. You don't see, I mean, maybe right. the Big Ten does a little bit. But yeah, I
2: think the Big Ten does, and the ACC does, and I think that's it, though. I mean, I, I, I even, yeah. even the Pac-12, which is criminally underrated every single year and how good its teams are. I mean, every year, the Pac-12, you know, they, they, they get these weird seeds coming into the tournament nobody really knows, and then they win a ton of tournament games, it feels like. Um, but yeah, no, it's not as it's not as big a deal. Big twelve basketball has become its own brand for a while now, and ESPN's a big part of that. And I think that th- that relationship can be nurtured. I think you're right. Like nobody else is prioritizing it. Why not? Go for it. I mean, it's better than not. Like it can only increase value. It's not gonna decrease value for anyone. So why wouldn't you do it? I mean, it's overall strength of the league. I get why the Big 12 is doing it, and it's probably even more than just dollars and cents to Gonzaga. It's just continuing to grow to a point of power where what happened with Texas and Oklahoma doesn't ever happen again because you're, you're valuable enough that it doesn't need to happen again. I, I will never blame Texas and Oklahoma for doing what they did. If, if everything at your university is reliant on the money your football program brings in and somebody's offering you the kind of money that they can make in the SEC, of course you're going to take it, right? Like, there's too much that depends on it. As much as we love these conference allegiances, I mean, this is not amateurism as much as we'd like to have that shoved down our throat. This is big business, big business. So why wouldn't they? But the Big 12 and Brett Yormark doing a good job to make sure that uh, hopefully never happens again. All right, we'll come back. Um, We'll get you ready for... Let's, let's talk about the World Series next, and then we'll go to Tim Fitzgerald at the top of the next hour, and then look ahead a little bit to Thursday Night Football because I do think it's interesting, if nothing else, and from a betting perspective. Uh, we'll talk about that too as well. Lots to go. We got a big giveaway coming. We'll do that in our next segment. Marvel fans, stay tuned. We got an opportunity for you that I think you'll like. Uh, we'll do it all next as we roll on on a Thursday on Sports Daily. Everybody sports daily on KFH 869-1240 is the number to call. Stay tuned. We will get you a cool giveaway. Marvel fans uh, to the new black Panther movie coming out. So that'll come uh, in just a couple of minutes here. I guess that we have to spend a little bit of time on the Houston Astros last night. They're no hitter right when we get all the buzz and excitement of the Phillies kicking their rears. On Tuesday night, and everybody's feeling good. Here come the evil empire, dirty rotten Astros, and they throw a collective no hitter, which is is a is a no hitter that comes from more than one pitcher. Just a fancy shutout, or is it really a no hitter? I mean, it's, it's
1: absolutely you know, a no hitter. It. I mean, there's yeah, come on, they, they no hit know. the Phillies. It, it, I would it is feel what it different
2: is. about this if it wasn't the Astros doing it. I think, but. You know, it, for no, for no other reason than purely spite, I'm going to downplay this no-hitter and act like it's not that cool uh, that they did this. I mean, really, who cares? It, it, more, it took more than one guy. Oh, good for you, Astros. Like, come on. God, I hate the Astros. Man, um, your
1: anti-Astros bias is, is showing i'm not hiding it i'm not hiding it i I wear it proudly on my chest i hate the astros yeah but regardless i mean it's pretty cool though like it's a no hitter in the world series hasn't happened since 1956 that's only the second time in history that's ever oh yeah who threw that no
2: hitter who threw the no hitter no i i know yeah don larson who threw this one christian javier and a couple of other guys. I don't know. No, he did not. We're not going to sit here 20 years from now and be like, oh, do you remember Christian Javier's six-inning no-hitter back in 2022? No. No, we're not going to say that. And we're not going to say 20 years from now, do you remember uh, game, what are we in, game four of the World Series where the Houston Astros, their starter went six innings and then their bullpen continued to shut out and they threw a combined pitching staff no-hitter? No, not that are. Sure we are. We will um, not. I'm going to hold you to that.
1: I, I don't like the Astros either, but I feel like regardless of who the team is, like that's a pretty special accomplishment on the biggest stage of them all. I mean, it's the World Series. And let's not forget, that was a crucial game for Houston. They had to have that game oh, yeah. to even up yeah, the yeah, series. Yeah, I'm kidding and, about
2: Astros' hate. That was, that was big. I mean, they had to have yeah. it. Roy Halladay had a no-hitter, a real one, back in 2010. You might remember the late Roy Halladay. But World Series-wise, yeah, you've got Don Larson in 1956. And I just don't think this belongs on that pedestal. Um, They're the first to do a combined no-hitter, which has its own place. In reality here, as I pull pull my tongue out of my cheek, 2-2 now. We said it yesterday. I, I don't think this damages really the Phillies overall in this series. I think it just, again, the Astros were the desperate team yesterday after what the Phillies did Tuesday. I don't think this adds any desperation to Philadelphia by any means. I think it just evens the series back up. The Astros were facing a point of desperation, and they answered that challenge in a big way, offensively and pitching. Um, Now we've got a 2-2 series, and it becomes best of three. I don't know how much pressure... You know, we always look at these best of threes and game fives and how important they are, and they are important. But I, I've, I've always thought six or seven games for this series. We're going to get at least six now. I just don't think that even, whoever goes down 3-2 now, it doesn't feel sometimes as big as those situations. I, I, I honestly, there's probably a little bit more pressure still on Houston to, to make sure... That They don't face an elimination game. If they can get this, then they get two home chances to try and close it out. Philadelphia just feels like they're playing on house money still. They've always felt that way. Maybe there will become a point of desperation where it feels that way for Philadelphia. They get down 3-2, but I don't think it'll feel the same as if the Astros get down
1: 3-2. So let me ask you this then. Are you a believer in momentum? Do you think momentum is a real thing? Um, Because, you know, you you get shut out in the World Series – um, that can easily be a momentum shifter back to the side of Houston. The Astros uh, got
2: shut out the night before, and it didn't affect them at all. Well, they yes, no I, hit, I do believe Phillies
1: getting no, got no hit. I mean,
2: I, I believe it. I absolutely believe in momentum. I think both of these teams are are talented enough to 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 just play right through momentum, though the other way. I mean, that has been the narrative, right? That Phillies this team of destiny, and they've got all this momentum. The Astros didn't lose a game coming into the series, so. They both had and have momentum, even in the short term. The momentum of the Phillies just crushing them in Game Three, bombs away, right? And then it immediately flips, and the Astros throw a combined no hitter. So I, I don't, I just, it's not been as big a deal in this series, and I'm not sure that it will be. Um, Javier was going to be a challenge for Philadelphia, no matter what happened. It's just kind of a bad matchup, what his style versus Philadelphia. Who goes tonight? Verlander? I mean, do you really feel good if you're Houston with Verlander, who's never been good basically his entire career in the World Series? Dude's coming in with a 720 ERA. Noah Syndergaard, does he have one or two starts this postseason? Checking, checking. Um, Did he get the start? You'll remember, Tommy. Did he start that game against Atlanta, or was that relief when he pitched three innings? That was relief, right?
1: Uh, I think he started that game, if if memory serves. Just with a short hook? Yeah, I believe that's correct.
2: So he's he's gone in his postseason this year, he's gone one, three, and one and a third. I don't know what his prospects are as far as length of time he'll be able to pitch tonight. I mean, he's been a starter this year, so that's an interesting question. But there is uncertainty with Justin Verlander on the hill, and Philadelphia is going to be very confident going up against Justin Verlander tonight. Of course, Verlander's Verlander, and he always has the possibility of going nine innings and striking out like 20 dudes. Like, that possibility exists with him. We've just never seen it before on this stage. I don't think Philadelphia is going to be frightened of that moment in the least.
1: Yeah, it was shocking to me uh, that after the barrage offensively that we saw from the Phillies in Game 3 and all the home runs and all of that, that they completely got no hit last night. Now I I get the matchup with Javier and all of that, uh, but the Phillies offensively, they're they're too talented uh, to get no hit, especially in the world series. So um, a, a great bounce back opportunity for Philadelphia, especially taking on Justin Verlander, who has had his significant World Series troubles, um, even looking back on Game 1. Uh, so the opportunity is there for Philadelphia without a doubt. They've got to get their bats going better than what they were able to do last night against Houston.
2: Well, yeah, something more like Game 3. All right, let's real quick before we take a break and get to Tim Fitzgerald. Here's the giveaway. The Marvel movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The previews look fantastic. I'm sure it's going to be super awesome, just like the first one was, especially for Marvel fans. We've got a chance for a sneak peek at Boulevard Theaters in Town West. It'll come Thursday, a week from today, on November 10th at 7 o'clock. We've got some tickets to give away. Let's give away a pair of those tickets. So two tickets to a preview of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, a special event for you next Thursday at 7 o'clock. We'll give that pair of tickets away to our second caller during the break. We'll get you ready for Tim Fitzgerald. K-State fans, hang in there. We'll be right back with that as Sports Daily continues.